Welcome to a brand new episode of the Normandy Records podcast. I am your host. My name is Eric Sanchez. I hope you guys are all doing fantastic. I hope you guys are all doing well wherever you are listening. Thank you so much for tuning in to a brand new episode of the Normandy Records podcast. I am very excited for you all to listen to today's interview with Cees Mejia of The Shelter. Uh, he's an audio engineer, producer, educator out of Boyle Heights, and I actually have been trying to schedule this podcast interview for a while now, but he's a busy guy, but I am excited that we finally got this done, um, and I think you're all going to enjoy it. Uh, I think Caesar has a very interesting perspective because he gets to see the field of audio and production from many different angles. As an educator, he gets to see people as they're learning, as they're entering the field, and then working with some really elite level talent. He gets to see it at its best. He gets to see it at the pinnacle of production and engineering and, and the process there. So it's it's very interesting. I'm very happy for Caesar and everything that has happened and all the things that he's accomplished. We actually didn't get into it in the conversation, but he is an Emmy Award winning engineer. And that's awesome. I remember the night that he won it, he went on social media and he said, this is for Boyle Heights. And that was real. That was that was very, very fucking cool. And I respect that. And that's the type of dude that Caesar is. He's, a, he, you know, he comes from the community. He, uh, he never forgets where he came from. And he's uh, pretty true. He's pretty solid. He's pretty consistent. So I want to just thank Caesar for coming on to the podcast and sharing a bunch of wisdom and a bunch of knowledge. Uh, for anyone who is trying to get into audio or production, listen to this conversation. Do your research on Caesar. Listen to the other podcasts that he's on because he, he never really holds back when it comes to teaching people the real aspect of how to become a better producer. And um, yeah, you know, transparency and honesty is very important in those highly competitive fields. So I'll keep the interview very short because I really want to get into this interview. But I'll share a story with Caesar that I actually, I think I wanted to bring it up in the conversation, but I didn't. So I was once Caesar's student. And I think we were in, um, I don't remember if it was an audio engineering class or a mixing class. I really do not remember, but that's not the point. I remember this morning, because it was an early class, I'd gotten up and there were a bunch of cops in my neighborhood and they were preventing me from leaving. They had blocked the streets, they had yellow tape. It was just this big old thing really early in the morning and I had to plead with the cop and say, hey, I got to get to class. He said, just uh, give me a minute. Nobody can leave right now. And I said, I understand that, but I'm a, I'm a college student. I like this is not I need to get to class right now. Eventually, I like fuck, I, I must have begged this person or whatever, but he let me go uh, 10, 15 minutes later than I wanted to leave. So I show up to class and I'm like about 20 minutes late to class. And this is the type of dude that Caesar is. And I, I always remember this because it's it's just real. It's just it was no other professor will ever fucking give me an answer like this. Ever. Ever. It doesn't matter. So 
I walk in and I'm fucking, I'm, I'm stressed because I know Caesar's a hard ass. And he says, why are you late? In front of the entire fucking class. He's like, why are you late? And I just, I'm like, okay, I can't lie right now. I can't, I say, um, there was some police activity in my neighborhood and I couldn't leave. And he says, I don't give a fuck. There's police activity on my block every day. I'm still here on time. There's no excuse. And I was like, fuck. And all the kids in the class were like, Jesus, like, did you really just tell him that? And, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't buckle. I was like, he's right. He's right. There's no excuse. And that, I see that as more of like a microcosm of what the, what the things, of the things that people face in this field. Like you're always going to find or see things that are going to try to prevent you from getting to the next step or going to try to keep you or or you're going to find a lot of reasons to say why you can't proceed or progress in your field but that's not that you shouldn't let that hold you back so that's how i took that i don't know if he really meant it that way or if he was just trying to bust my balls but either way um that's caesar and please enjoy this interview i love you guys take care please make sure to subscribe if you're listening on the apple podcast app please take a minute Go leave a nice review, a couple of stars, and just help this podcast grow and help people get access to these conversations. We're going to keep going. And again, just thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you guys. Enjoy this conversation with C's Mejia of The Shelter. Peace out. Caesar, welcome to the Normandy Records podcast, man. I appreciate you so much for coming on. Uh, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. The chopper finally left. The ghetto bird finally uh, yeah. <laughs> left the all premises. Right. It, can't, it can't hear us anymore. Yeah, it can't hear us anymore. <laughs> uh, Caesar, like you got this this uh, this like list of clients that are world class, man. Um, you know, you could start at the top with Herbie Hancock. Uh, right. Zach de la Rocha, like you know, local bands like like throw. I still call them the Commons. So, yeah, tropa magica. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tropa. Um, and you know, it's like it's like a diverse group of like really talented musicians. But you know, when I when I think about the story of like professionals, I think about like where they came from, and that wasn't really always the case for you. Like you grew up in Boyle Heights when Boyle Heights wasn't the Boyle Heights that we know today. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about that, like how it was growing up in that part of town during that era and like how did music play a role as you were taking all this in, like probably faster than you could digest it? Yeah, I, I just think it was just part of, of, of my upbringing, you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, yeah, Boyle Heights, like you said, wasn't, wasn't, you know, like it was now, like now people go, oh, Boyle Heights, it's like, it's becoming like a cool thing, it's like a neck, like, oh, I live in Echo Park type thing, you know, like, that type of thing so like you know um when when i was growing up to me this was i mean it's still home you know i mean like i don't i don't live in ball heights anymore but i still come to this my studio in ball heights so i come here you know five six times out of the week but you know when i was growing up here 
it was just home. It was normal, but we, there was music all around. Like, you know, we'd walk over, you know, I'd walk with my mom to the, to the market and they'd be like, you know, you could hear the houses, you know, playing their music. And, and it was all, obviously a lot of it was music in Spanish. And I grew up with music in Spanish. Like, you know, my, 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 my mom was from Michoacan, which is, you know, more closer to Southern Mexico. And, and, you know, we heard a lot of rancheras and we heard some mariachi and, you know, there was like, you know, cumbias and all this stuff going on. Like I was always, but my uncles were the ones that were like that. My, like my earliest memory I have of music and, 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 you know, my studio is kind of in the old property that, that, that where, where I grew up. So I think you've been here, Eric, or like you, there's a patio right outside the studio and then yeah. there's like yeah. a stairway into the house. So that stairway, my earliest, like, um, memory of music is my uncle's playing rancheras right there just singing them and i'm and i'm going like whoa and i think i don't know if i you know i think my my the way i heard i think i just was fascinated with music and it and i think it was just because it was music it had nothing to do with the type of music it was so i grew up kind of around that and then you know my parents obviously like you know Boyle heights was like hey we need to put positive things in front of especially my mom so to my mom us playing music or playing sports was a lot better than just hanging out on the street, you know? So as I grew up, my mom always encouraged that, like, you know, oh, you know, I want to, you know, I want to play piano. Okay. Then we, she gave me piano classes. Oh, I want to play, you know, a flute. And I sign up at the elementary and play flute. And then, you know, as I got older, you know, like back then the pop music of that time was rock music. So that was kind of what was being influenced around, you know, at least other than the, the music I heard from my parents was my brother's, one, which is really funny because I, I look at it now and I think that's what kind of made me who I am because one brother was big into like the dance music and the other one was big into the rock music. Mm. So I was getting, and then I was getting all the influence from my parents of like all the music in Spanish, whether it was rancheras or cumbias or mariachi, whatever that was they were listening to or Los Bukis, right? Things like that. <laughs> so, you know, um, so I was getting all, all that like mixture of stuff that was just, and I was just becoming who I am today. But at one point when growing up, it was like, you know, I was really in the whole rock thing. And back then it was really clicky. Like, like today it's cool that, you know, like it's cool. Like people don't have an issue with like, you know, someone who's a, a, a hardcore modern hip hop head yeah. listening to Pantera. They won't, people won't trip on that. Back then they did. Like, you know, if you hung out with a bunch of like, you know, metal heads, they, you couldn't tell them that you like Public Enemy, right? Right. Because right. you were you were considered a poser, and and I remember when I heard first Public Enemy, and I heard this song called "She Watched Channel Zero, and it had a sample of Slayer's um, "Angel of Death" on there, hmm. and it just blew my mind. It was like I hadn't heard anything like that since Metallica, and I was like, "What is this?" And that, and if I told myself from then on, any music that I like, I don't care what, what my friends say or whoever says that. Whatever music I like is fair game. I don't care what anybody says. And I think that came from that influence of like having all those different things around me and finally being okay with it. You know I mean? Like, and I think that's, that's what Boyle Heights was to me. You know, Boyle Heights was that whole mixture of all that stuff happening. And, and now it's kind of like, you know, they, people want to categorize it into, you know, like, you know, all those people that are moving here that are from the West side, that are moving here they go oh we go there because that's you know that's a great place to get this yeah yeah but yeah. Boyle heights is not that Boyle heights was 
a mixture of stuff. Before that, it was a mixture of a bunch of different people who lived here. My my brothers cut the tail end of like when they went to high school, they had Japanese friends and African American friends and mm -hmm. Puerto Rican friends and Mexican friends and and white Italian friends. Those were all the people that live here still. But by the time I grew up in the I was born in the seventies, so by the time I was growing up in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties, all that it had turned into all a whole big Mexican community out here. Yeah. So it was like it felt like Mexico outside of Mexico, you know, but yeah. with the influence of the U.S. Yeah. So that's kind of, I think, what Boyle Heights kind of and, and, and my upbringing kind of like molded me to, you know. You bring up a couple of very important points, like um, when you grow up in neighborhoods that, you know, might have options that your parents might not, you know, be comfortable with, um, having outlets like music and uh you know any kind of recreational stuff like that is very important right like i i i always stress like the importance of that like th throw an instrument in front of a kid like give them yeah. some, some drumsticks um and see what happens yeah. like they may not you, like it but who knows they but, could be a, a world-renowned drummer but you, or something yeah and, and you know what i, I think I, I think a lot of times parents have even even back then i think i think my, my mom was just you know, had, had, I don't know, the, the, the vision or whatever you want to call that to, to, to say, cause I remember she would tell him, look, when I, when you work, I don't want you to work as hard as we had to work. Cause hmm. my parents were field workers, man. Yeah. Both of them. It's just that eventually my dad got a job. My dad, it was funny because my dad got a job going from working at a field into working at a hotel to eventually becoming like, like a sous chef to becoming a chef of a world class hotel in Beverly Hills. That's what my dad was. That's awesome, man. You know, you know, but but they were both field workers. They grew up between field work, and they go, "We don't want you to work this hard ever. You need you need to work more with your mind." So I think anything that would help to do that, they were for it. But and I think a lot of the times, like me, like parents have this as a parent now. You know, you worry about you know the future of your of your kids, whether from the beginning, from the when they're really small. You know, and I think a lot of people go, oh, my, my son can't be a musician or an artist. Like, how are they going to feed themselves? How are they going to have, you know, how are they going to do this? Like all yeah, those things yeah. that that people say, oh, are they going to get this? How are they going to have a home? And it's like, well, as long as they have a roof over their head and <laughs> they're OK, they don't yeah. necessarily need to own a home. It'd be great if they can own a home. Yeah. But some people don't ever own a home and that's OK. Yeah. You know, but I think it's a whole thing about like worrying about the the, 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 the economic future of your child and like. They can't be a musician. If we make him a musician, he's going to starve to death. And and the, here's the reality of it is that maybe, maybe not. Yeah, Who knows, right? Yeah. But the reality, the real reality of it, I think that's really special about putting art or music in front of a kid is that it develops their, their way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And they, they, you know, like, you don't have to, just because you're going to play music doesn't mean you're going to be a musician. You might be the fucking next best mathematic of the fucking world I've ever seen. Yeah. yeah, you know, because of me, because music's gonna just like elevate your thinking, dude. There's no way around that one, dude. I Absolutely. mean, that's that's just bottom line. It, it, why do you think in countries that are fucking they have dictatorships, what do they take away first, the art and the music? Because they know, yeah, they know that those things have people. People start going, wait a minute, well, what about this? You start questioning things, not in in a bad way, but your your mind evolves, you know. So. I think that's that sucks that they take away all these programs away from the kids because and are they doing it purposely shit i don't know maybe it sounds like they are but you know what happens why, why don't they say hey you know what 
let, let's cut instead of, we're gonna we're gonna cut money from all these programs let's cut the fucking testing out fuck the testing let's put music <laughs> back into their life they don't do that okay see know? so your uh your wife is in education right yeah she's in education yeah my, my girlfriend is in education oh, and cool. i i always have this conversation with and i know we're kind of going off track but we'll bring it back i think it's all, all right. relevant though it's all relevant yeah um i always have this conversation like like there's a ton of sh- a ton of things out there in the system that I personally think now from from my standpoint could be removed like right. like fuck all like these t-shirts you guys are printing for the staff like that's like yeah, right. a couple thousand dollars you just spent they could have bought some yeah. clarinets or or yeah. a violin or something right. Not, like wh- why don't they think that way but you know whatever education has a million problems i just i'm with you man i wish that more kids had access to that yeah um, i think so too man i think that 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 i mean that, that'll just give them a, a different way of looking at the world and, that, and that's really what these kids need man they, they need yeah. to have that because you know i mean like you know it, it's it's really their house that we're leaving for them dude yeah totally you know so yeah. And I think music is so important. It's part. It's part of every single culture in the world, dude. It, my mom would tell me like, and I learned this from from my mom. I remember once I was, I don't know if you ever heard of this band. This is old rock band called Trouble, dude. Mm-hmm. They were kind of like a Black Sabbathy kind of band from like, I don't know. They're they were sometimes probably like late '80s into the '90s. I don't even know if they're around anymore. But they had this really cool ballad, right? And my, and I was listening to it in my room. My mom tells me wow that's such a beautiful song she goes isn't it amazing that with music no matter what language you speak you can always tell when something when a song is beautiful and it doesn't yeah. matter what they're saying like it still sounds beautiful and i t- and i realized like oh yeah and, and that always stuck with me you know i was like yeah. man it's the only thing left in our in our in our in our world that's truly like universal other than math yeah you know but it's the only thing left because we could hear a song from shit from beirut and go sh- and it can move you you know or we could hear a song from somewhere in asia and go damn that's cool absolutely you know absolutely and we don't need to know the language because we can all understand the language of music we might not be able to read it but we can all understand it that's for sure yeah i mean it's some it's one of possibly the most powerful thing that that unites yeah. us all uh i want to bring it back a little bit to uh to boyle heights uh, a couple mm-hmm. days ago uh well this i think it was yeah on friday or something i was at el apetito on uh on caesar in chicago oh yeah Yeah, it's a little paisa bar i was having a beer with uh with banana leaf boy we're just chilling having a beer banana leaf boy yeah and um the dj was playing corridos like just blasting heavy ass like you know fat corridos just like you know it was really really heavy and he had the whole setup with the video in the back and I was sitting there, and I was like, I was fuck, I was like absorbed. Like I don't really listen to corridos like that, but for those oh, yeah, yeah, 20, yeah. 30 minutes, man, I was in there. I was looking at the videos. I was, I was looking at how they dress. I was looking at the way they write the songs, how they perform. And I was like, well, dude, man, the, the corridos, corridos are the Mexican blues, dude. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, like, I say that because you know, for the most part, I don't listen to corridos. But I, but I appreciate it at that moment. Right. At the very least, I appreciated what it is and what it's not. From your right. perspective, as an engineer, as a producer, like how important is it? Um, because you said you know you listen to everything and you don't care. You 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 right. love what you love. How important right. is that to develop um, like 
a good ear or a good feel as a producer and engineer? Um, my, my thing is, it's extremely important. I mean, um, you know, everybody, I think everybody listens to music or hears or hears music a little bit different. It's kind of like colors, you know, like we all kind of, we all see a red and we all see a blue and all those things. But I think we interpret them a little bit differently. You know, they, they we react to them differently. So, I mean, it is important. I mean, I, I, I'm just lucky that, that I've been able to like be around all that stuff. You know, it's kind of like, it's, it's why I like Tropa Magica so much, dude, because they were like, they're like a mixture of all that shit, yeah. you know? Like, so when I heard them, I was like, whoa, dude, this is fucking the cool. I think it's what develops new music, you know, like Absolutely. that fusion of shit, you know? And I, and I love that. And I think you have to kind of have somewhat of an ear. And I, and I, and I think as a, you know, like coming out of a perspective of just merely an engineer, you know, and I think I don't I don't know if this is a practice that modern engineers do or not, but I'm never afraid to ask them. Like when I've had to record, like I remember the first time, you know, I recorded a, a guitarron. You know, I did like we were this mariachi kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I had to ask the players, like, "Hey, dude, like, have you recorded this before?" And he's like, "Yeah, well, where's the best place?" Like, well, they kind of sometimes put it right here. I go, "Well, let's try it out." Mm-hmm. And we're like, "Oh yeah," and then you just kind of go and I and I, I I go mainly from memory, like, okay, when I'm. When I'm listening to Chente, dude, and I'm and he's fucking cranking these songs out, yeah. what what does a guitarron sound like to me in my head, you know? So yeah, that's kind of yeah. what I go for. But I guess because I have the experience of being able to like just listen to that, I've, I've listened to that music before. I mean, I think it would be harder if if you didn't have those experiences, you know? Like, what is it supposed to sound like as a as opposed to like tropa magica when you're what well what, what is this shit? This is some new shit. We're just making it up as we go, you know? Like. Hey, but shout out, I, shout out to Tropa, man. Like, w- just a little sidebar. When they released that Negra Tomasa, like, psychedelic version. That shit's bad. Dude, that shit blew my fucking mind, dude. That, dude. That, dude, when, you know, I mean, like, when I first heard them, they, you know, they, were, still, they were still called the Commons, dude, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, and I was like, fuck, who the fuck are these guys? Yeah, they same, so same. Fucking, you know what it was? I think they just sounded, first of all, they sounded fucking amazing. Yeah. But they just sounded so different. But yeah. At the same time, I had all these little things that pulls you into the music. Like, man, this is so familiar, yet it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you know? they pulled that nostalgia, but they yeah. like blew it the fuck up. And yeah. like, anytime I would tell people, like, they'd be like, "What are you listening to?" I'm like, "I'm listening to some psychedelic cumbia right now." And they, their mind would be like, "What the fuck? I need to hear that." And yeah. they'd be like, "Yeah, you do need to hear that, whether you are familiar with these records or not. Like, whether you were raised with these records or not. Like, the ingenuity here is dope." Um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to really no, no, shout them out for what they do. Yeah, um, but I, mean, I guess going back to your questions, I think I think it's 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 really imp- it's super important, at least in my point of view. I mean, there is stuff that you know that I've worked on, and I was like, okay, I, I don't know what this is supposed to sound like. So, I mean, I've been lucky enough to be working with people that that do like you know I, you know I I did a record. Man, how long ago was this? I don't know. I say more than it has to be like eight years now. And I work with my friend Danny Lozano, the great Danny Lozano. I call him. He's a, an amazing like uh, flute player. He's a Cuban American guy who grew up here in Boyle Heights. But um, we were working on a record with this one of this huge Broadway singer. You know, she's the one that her name was Susan Egan. She's the one mm-hmm. who did like uh, Beauty and the Beast and all these wow. the Disney records like that. You know, and and it was like a loungy but yet but somewhat Broadway kind of record. And you know. I was just going for it. Like, I, I would come up like, all right, let's record this. And I would pr- bring it up. And sometimes the producer would be like, because Danny, 
Dan Lozano was producing and he's like, oh yeah, that bass is too fat, dude. You gotta, you gotta bring it down. It's like, okay, cool. Mm. So I, I think a lot of it I learned from from being on sessions with people when when I'm doing music that I'm not familiar with is that I learned, oh, okay, that's the way that's supposed to be. And, and I just make mental notes of that, you know? Yeah. So that when I do it again, I kind of have some idea. But, but it, you know, these things can go back and forth. Like, like when I work with Herbie, man, like, you know, we're making records and they sound, they sound like, you know, a lot, a lot of people, when they when I see musicians, when they come in to work with them, they want to sound like jazz. Right, right, you know? right, right, right. But Herbie's like, I, I know because, you know, I'm, I'm part of his kind of inner circle. I know he's like, man, fuck that. I did that already. <laughs> so when I, when, we, when, I, when I worked on records with him, I almost put like the, like the, like the big kind of rock kind of feel in it, you know? And, and the fucking records sound big and punchy. Mm. Not that the jazz doesn't. Right, right, right. But then it sounds different. And Herbie's like, oh, fuck, that sounds cool. Because it's not something that, although those, I think rock and, and jazz, to some degree, they're, they're really closely related, except people think of them as really different from each other, you know? But, you know, when people think of jazz, they think of like old shit, you know? And yeah, Herbie's yeah. like, I've done that already. Yeah. I don't want to do that, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it is just experience and, 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 and you know, just listening to all types of music. And I tell, I tell, all these students that, that I teach, I go, look, man, you guys should be a lover of music, not of genres, because genres come and go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. you should want to learn about like, 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 you know, like if you, oh, you listen to hip hop, you need to go listen to like some fucking Pantera, some Metallica, some Iron Maiden, that shit that's fucking way left of it. You need to go yeah. listen to like music concrete, like fucking John Cage and Edgar Perez and all that crazy shit. Yeah. You know, you need to go listen remove yourself from that because it's only going to make that part of you better how important you know? is it to like for an engineer whether you know it's your tracking engineer mixing or a mastering engineer to work with different genres like do because i know some people get like pigeonholed and like oh they just they just do hip-hop or oh they just do ska or oh they just do like like tropical music like is it important is it more important to like have a, a variety of clientele or to focus on something and be a specialist? Do you think? Um, you know, I think, I think that's all an individual thing. I mean, some people, that's all they like to work on. I, I think, look, man, I, I knew guys that back, back in the, in the nineties and in the early two thousands, all they did was like, like metal records, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sure. but now they're hardly getting any work. Hmm. You know, and and maybe it could have just been, you know, that's just kind of what happened to their career. I don't know, you know, but like the reality for me, dude, like, like I, I like going on working on records that go from one to the other. Like, you know, it's funny. We were, I was just talking to one of my assistants the other day and when we were here, when we first did that first throw up our record, it was like, you know, like, you know, like a month of like, boom, 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 just hitting it with like, like you know, the music is always so exciting, you know, yeah, even the yeah. slow ones are exciting, you know? Like, and then we went, we, we were finished with that record. We were done mixing. And the next day we had another session of like this folk group and it felt so slow, dude, right? <laughs> but it was cool. We're like, and then we're just looking at you like going, dude, is it, is it us or what? Like, it feels like we're on a totally different, different kind of trip, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For and, sure. and it was, and it was awesome. It was fucking great, but it just felt so, and I, and I, I like doing that. Cause then I think I feel I get bored if I do the same. If I if I just to do a, as much of a metalhead that I am, yeah, I would hate to do like metal records all day long, every day, dude. 
like to me that would be boring yeah I, you know I, like and, and no go ahead go ahead go ahead no and i, I, I kind of like that diversity if you want to call it that of going from one to the other i think it's just i think it makes everything better but i mean some people yeah they they, they only mix hip-hop records and i'm like well that's cool that must be boring yeah no i, I mean yeah, i agree they look at me like what <laughs> i i agree i i recently uh had a um uh, an engineer who primarily works with metal uh mm-hmm. do a pop record for me and right. and like he was able to really bring it to life and like you know he was a little calm on the bass I, f- I feel like at first he was like trying to be very conservative and i'm like man let that let that low end you know stick out a little bit and like right. you know I, I the versatility i appreciate and it's kind of right. cool um i heard on one uh, on a podcast that you did recently that you attribute a lot of your growth early on to like one like some of your close friends you brought oh, up yeah you brought up ignacio from aslan underground yeah and you know you attribute a lot to like ex- like experimenting and and, be- and discovering new sounds and new ways of approaching oh, yeah. all this tell me about that period and like how important it is to have someone like that in your life Oh man, I I just been lucky to have those guys in my life. But but as far as like the experimentation with those guys, man, it's like, dude, it's like I I just when I look at back, I was just talking to him not too long ago about that. And I was like, I go, dude, don't get me wrong, man. Like every day that I come to the studio and I get to work, I go because to me, going to the studio is going to the studio at Kelsey Dominguez and teaching these guys about the stuff I do at the shelter, right? Like yeah, yeah. it's the same shit. It, I don't feel like like an educator in that in that way because i'm not in a classroom per se you know right 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 so so i go don't and i told you that so don't get me wrong dude like every day that i get to get up in the morning and and go to work and do the thing that that i love to do every day about you know like music technology i love it it's so exciting i go when i think back to those days when we were first like when i was first getting into this and i had you to help me without that like you you were the guinea pig yeah. Like all those, like I list, I think back and I go, man, everything so felt so exciting and new, you know, and and I think it's it's become kind of something that's been part of me because I know that every few years I'm like, okay, I need to just kind of get a new workflow or I need to add something new that's gonna really get, like improve what I do, you know, and 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 I've been lucky to have guys like Ignacio that were there for me to just like be my guinea pigs and experiment and 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 i think because a lot of it we both kind of thought the same way like he's mm. he's into the production process of music except he doesn't he's not he doesn't dive into the technical side of it he's just like well you you play your instrument i'll play mine that's kind of what we that's the way we looked at it like right. okay your 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 instrument is a studio i'm just gonna play guitar and be part of that and you know we're gonna go back and forth and and i remember like a lot of times we'd be, we'd be in here working on stuff and I'd be like, and I would just be like, you know, putting more delay or more reverb on something and he would react to it and play different to it, you know? And, and, but it takes, I mean, dude, I've known this guy. I'm 48 years old. I've known him for 43 years, dude. Shit. So, you know, we're pretty well connected. Like, like, you know I mean? We, we, you know, we don't get to talk and hang out as much as we do, but when we do, it's just like, it's like a lot of fun. It's like, you know, oh shit, you're like back in the you know, in the sandbox with your friend, you know? <laughs> so so I mean like and and and, and people people have out when we when we worked on projects together, like people would trip out. They're like, Hey dude, you guys are almost answering each other's shit. That's awesome. Like 
Like Ignacio goes, hey, and you already know what he's gonna tell you, <laughs> so you already go move it. And then like, and then like, how the fuck do you guys do that? Goes, I didn't even realize we were doing that. It just got you, you know. He would say, oh, hey, how about? And I would just do it, and yeah, there it is. And we were like, you know, it was like we were communicating that way, and people were like, dude, that's fucking crazy. Do you guys do that? I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't. We never knew that. It's just I think we, we're already feeling what it is. We're already on the same wavelength. So like. And that's the beauty about having friends like that. It's not just him. There's there's a couple other friends that that are part of this kind of crew of guys that we've been hanging out with for the past, you know, thirty years. You know, and um, we're all kind of like that. Like you know, like we kind of have like this sense of where we're going. You know, I, I think more with Ignacio than anybody because he's the one that I've known the longest. But it, that something like that dude has. I mean, like I. I like I always, hey, we're gonna work on something. We're gonna, and, and it never happens because we're so busy with our lives, you know. But, you know, I mean, maybe that day will come one day. We're, we're really, I mean, and I, and I look forward to doing that because it feels like we're going back to those first days, you know. You know, it, it, I just, I, I agree with you one hundred percent, man. Having people like that who bring a different perspective and you know that you could really communicate with in ways that you probably can't with other people. It's yeah. important. Like, I remember when I was a kid, like, I would just listen to whatever was in front of me. You know, if there was a, right. a fucking, like, Snoop Dogg record on the radio, that's what I would listen to. If there was a Chente right. record blasting, that's what I would listen to, Bookies or whatever. Right. But, like, I remember there was this kid who was, like, into metal, and he was like, yo, this is this, these bands, and this is Metallica, and whatever. And I was like, what the fuck? Right. Like, you could do this? And then, like, check out this band. It's punk rock. And, like, they talk about yeah. everything that you're used to. They just destroy all that shit. Listen to this. Yeah. And, like, those things are really important, you know? Like, yeah, they are. They're just, like, they really open up your mind to this whole other world. And, like, you know, you can choose the path you want to take. You could be a musician. Yeah. You could be an engineer. Whatever you want to do. But, right. like, things yeah. like that really do open up these channels for exploration. And I agree with you, yeah. man. It's super important. Yeah, and it, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 you know, I mean, like, all that stuff just allows you to do, to do you really. That's, that's really what, yep. you know, I always tell people, man, you should be you. And, and Ignacio was a perfect example of, 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 of that. And he's, and I've learned so much from him just doing, that. I mean, you know, there's a bunch of these songs that we did back like in the late nineties, early two thousands. And then he, he recently just put them out, but he just put them out through like, through like YouTube, you know, mm -hmm. just so his friends and people could listen to him. And, yep. and he sent me the link. And man, I was listening to some of these. And I was like, "Damn!" And I called him. I was like, "Dude, man, those, those times were so free. Like, yeah. <laughs> we just did whatever we felt was fucking like felt good for the song, and, and it was and it meant something, you know." And I'm like, and I would listen to it. And I go, "Look at you." I go, "Man, I, I've had the, I've had the chance to work with some pretty prominent musicians, and and it's fucking been the best shit ever." But dude, the shit that you do is up there with it. I, it only means something to us, so you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody else would probably hear it and go, "Oh, that's cool." But I think when we hear, we hear the 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 emotion that we were putting into it back then, you know. And I think, you know, having someone like Ignacio to, you know, feel feel free to explore was was a fucking awesome thing. You know, man. Like outside, like I got the chills right now because, like, outside of like the commercial side of records, where you try to market it and you try to get your streaming numbers and sell whatever, you know. Right. Like sometimes just having those records that you make with people that matter. Uh, yeah. Those shit, man, those are sometimes heavier than the ones that generate money. Like, yeah. On the, in and the long tail. 
Well, because I mean, what is what is music supposed to do? Is it supposed to strike some sort of emotion, and that's what those records do? Is that, yeah. I mean, they, they, like I said, they didn't, they might not mean shit to anybody else, but those people that worked on it that were there, it's fucking a completely special thing, dude. It's like, you know, like it, it's not like, you know, it's not like you went to a, a bar and you hung out and drank beer with somebody. It's way beyond that. Yeah. It's like this emotional connection that you have with somebody at a musical level, which is different from just an emotional connection at a personal level. You know, totally. like. Those, those things are different, you know? And I think that's why those things, like, mean something to us. Like, you know, I just think of those records that I did with, with Ignacio, and they were fucking, like, they were cool, and, and they were so, like, different. You know, that shit that was really fucking heavy and metal type, and this stuff that was, like, you know, a little bit more folky and stuff that was almost, like, you know, orchestral shit, you know? So, I, yeah. I, I, it was cool to be experienced that. I, I always tell people like when they have an itch right and and they have like these like an approach or, or a way of looking at things i'm like why don't you like f- like management for for instance right like if right. i feel like somebody has characteristics or like is eager to, to to take on like the role of a manager but they don't necessarily know it yet i'm like yo why don't you find a band that you really really like who's probably right. developing hit them up and say, hey, I want to help you out. Like, I want to, um, you don't have to pay me right. or nothing, you know, in my spare time, I want to help you, like, maybe, you know, organize yourself and, right. and like, and I, I just think those things are so important to, to for, like you said, experimentation and to learn and to figure out who, who you are, what you are, what you're made of. Um, so, like, yeah, outside of, like, audio and music, I think a ton of people can actually learn from from experiences like that. Like even, Yeah, no, um, for sure, 100%. Yeah. Um, you know? you uh decided to go to school uh ultimately like i I know you were you were in the local scene and you were you know recording your friends and and putting out records by the way how did you guys like release your records like there was no like spotify Um, back then obviously in the back back then we had we had a well obviously there was no spotify there was none of that back then right Right. so it was all like you know the big diy movement of people just either bands or either put something out on their own or they would have like like a label like a small label which is kind of what we had but we got approached by 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 a guy named um by a guy named eric i can't remember eric's last name but he was he had a record label called the subversive rhymes Mm. right huerta's his last name eric huerta all right right i think that's what his last name or maybe it was maybe it wasn't huerta Huerta. i don't remember (laughs) I can't remember, but but anyway, he had a record label called Subversive Rhymes, and they were all like straight DIY shit, like total punk movement. And and he knew the singer from our band, kind of one of the guys in the band. He knew him from like other bands. He had kind of he had been in a band with him, and I guess he started a record label. And and that guy goes, "Hey, I want to put your record out." And like obviously there was no budget for the recording, which we were like whatever because we were recording it on our own like that was you know something that we did on our own like we were we were hey we're, we're recording and fucking maybe we'll print out some cassettes or something but then yeah. he approached us and he got a whole like it was a cassette release but it was all like it looked like a package like almost like a like a 10 inch record you know mm. instead of a seven inch, it was a little bit bigger and it had like a package and lyrics stickers the whole thing and he printed out i don't know how many of these it wasn't even that many it was either 100 or 500 and and he would sell them at shows just for at cost. Hmm. He wouldn't try to make money off of them, you know. And he would, and then from then on, that's kind of the way we we kind of did things. And 
you know, it was really was super DIY. That's kind of the way that 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 worked out back then. You know, I mean, this is before any anything is the way it is now. I mean, back then every everything was like, you know, and I and I think he he knew like trading people that he would trade with, like in Japan and like mm. Europe and things like that. Like there was those kind of methods of doing things back then. Yeah, man. I mean, shit. That, that like that. I feel like learning those things. Like even now in twenty twenty one, like if you can like be involved in that type of environment obviously you have technology to help but if you could go back to the core to the basics of it all like you can learn you can learn some real real lessons yeah you could you know i mean there's a you know a lot of it was just it was their form of distribution yeah yeah because they weren't going to go to a major to do that hell no you know i mean those guys were like anti all that for sure for sure um so so you went to school to formally learn a lot of this audio stuff and like digital media, music technology, mm-hmm. like now in 2021, like where we are now, like I feel like education and music is like sometimes a controversial or like polarizing topic. You know, you got your yeah. YouTube personalities and you got pretty yeah. much everything at your fingertips. Right. Um, before we, we, because I want to know your thoughts on 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 that today, because you are an educator, so you know right. all the sides of this whole thing. But yeah. when you decided to go to school, like what what played a part in that? Like what what made you want to decide to do that? Well, I mean, when I when I first see when I first went to school, like I graduated from from high school, and then and then I got accepted to to like um, Cal State LA, and I went in as an undeclared major because i was like okay i don't want to be a music i don't want to be a music major because i thought well if you're a music major you become a music teacher and i didn't want to do that you know and this is before right before i got into the whole like recording thing because what happened is that before that i was getting into like like the tech side of 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 music and by that i mean like you know the guitar player in the band that i played with at the time he was he had this, this this guitar rig that consisted no longer consisted of pedals but more like a like a guitar preamp and an amplifier and mm-hmm. then you had to dial in all the sounds and you had like a foot switch that would switch switch the presets you know and he didn't know how to use it so i go oh i'm gonna learn how to do that and i thought to myself when i when i eventually when i do when i get out of school or get out of college i'll be i'll be a guitar tech i'll be a guitar roadie you know that's that was my vision of things back then but then you know, in, in high school, I, I learned about sound engineering through another friend of mine. I was like, oh, what's that? And he kind of explained it to me. And, you know, I just put it in the back of my head and moved on. And when I got to Cal State LA, I was taking music courses because I, well, I still love music. So I'm going to take a theory class, you know, beginning theory class. And I had a friend in there or a classmate who became a friend later. And he was taking a computer music class. I was like, what is that? He's like, oh, it's, it's computer music. You, you, you make music with computers and you record it with a computer. I was like, what? And this is, this is 1991, dude. You know, <laughs> this is not like, this was like a few years ago. This is when that shit hard. No one knew about that or, or very few people knew about it. I mean, you'd have to be in those worlds to know about it. You know, yeah, most yeah. musicians didn't know about it. At least the ones I knew didn't, you know, if they did, it was like, Oh, I've heard about it. You know? So I was like, what? No way. And they go, yeah, you I go. So you can, who can take the class? Like you need a prerequisite. So no, you just sign up for it, and it's like uh, you know, it's a like computer music one, two, and three, and you sign up for one, and then I sign up for two, and then three, and then you can just keep repeating it for credit. 
So I took it and it was, you know, it was, so what it was, it was one of my, one of my other professors was teaching this class and it was called computer music. And it was, uh, it was really a songwriting course mm. and you had a computer and a MIDI keyboard or or MIDI sound module. So it was like MIDI keyboard with sounds in it and you would have to make a song. So all these guys were like the early, like beat makers of back then of all the beat makers of now they were doing that back then and and i had to write a song and it was i had never written a song by myself i didn't know the, the i didn't understand the music structure you know so i went in there wrote a fucking shitty ass song and there was this one filipino cat who was doing house music and i go hey man can i come into your session and just watch you he's like really why i go i don't know how to do any of this shit and he go, okay, and I would see how he would create things. And he and I go, oh, and then I would go into this other guy and he'd do some hip hop shit. And, and he was using a sampler at that point, mm. you know, and it was cool. And it, and it was, I, it was, I was just amazed by all this. So eventually I had to buy my own little rig and I bought myself a, a little Mac Plus and then a drum machine and a keyboard. Right? You know, I think Ignacio bought the, the drum machine and I bought the keyboard and we just started going at it, dude. And He's like, hey man, I don't know what the fuck this computer is shit, but I can play the <laughs> I can play the beats for you. All right, fuck it, play the beat for me. You know? Yeah. And that's how and that's how I learned. And then eventually I went to Dominguez and Dominguez I went there because my professor at CalCLA, I told him, Hey, I want to get into recording. That's really what I got into. I go, What do you think of Casa Dominguez? He's like, Oh, my friend teaches there. Who's your friend? Because this guy named David Bradfield. Ah. And I was like, Oh, okay, yep. cool. And I went over there and I met Dave and I go, Hey, you know a guy named Peter Terry? He's like, oh yeah, how do you know him? I go, he was my teacher at he was my, my, my professor at Cal CLA. He's like, Oh man, that's cool. And that's what that's how I got the relationship with Dave because I think from then it was like always like, you know, I got super along with him and I and I started learning like you know, Dave just let us learn. Man, Dave is that, awesome. That was like yeah, that's what was great about Dave is that I mean, I would tell him, look, Dave, I want to learn how to get like a like better drum sound. He's like, I don't know how to do that. I'm a synth guy. But you know what? In the summer, because back then in the summer, there was no summer classes. They would, they would lock the studio out. So he's like, in the summer, I'm going to put you on the access list, and that's going to be your job over the summer. Learn how to get better tones. Hmm. And that's what he did. He lent me the studio for three months, dude, and that's what I would do. That's awesome. He, so, I mean, I, I had I had an experience of of, of learning about the art of recording not not just necessarily music technology or yeah. music production it was it was the art of recording because of dave dave gave me that chance it wasn't the other professors that were there none of them really i think really cared man you know dave dave did when when uh when david bradfield retired i i felt sad for the future generations yeah me I, too i sent him a message and i was like Man, I just want to congratulate you on your retirement and just how much uh, we appreciate you. And I just had yeah. to express that to him because, yeah, man, he's totally that guy. Um, for the people who aren't familiar with the Cal State system, there's a there's there's the California State University, and then there are different campuses. So uh, right. Caesar started off in the Los Angeles campus, and then he yeah. uh, the Dominguez Hills campus is the other one that he's referring to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so man, that's awesome, man. Bradfield. <laughs> yeah, he was he was, awesome. he was instrumental in like in those things to me. I mean, like you know, he didn't he never taught me how to record any of that, but I think just him letting me explore and 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 gain that knowledge, and I think that's the difference today. I think that that I see that young the younger generation of students they they don't 
they don't care about the knowledge. They just care about the answer. Mm, mm. And, I, and I've had students tell me like, well, what's the answer? I was like, well, what, what is it? What does it matter what the answer is if you don't know how to get it? Like, what's the point? If I tell you that two plus two is two, you're going to know that it's four. But you won't know that one plus one plus one is four or, or you know, 0.5 times eight is four. Yeah, you won't know yeah. those answers. You don't know how to get it. Do you th- I just want the answer in there. And I'm like, whoa, that's pretty crazy. Do you think that because of uh, the era that you grew up in and there was no cheat sheet, there was no like cutting corners, you had to really get in there and, and turn those knobs and listen and figure mm-hmm. it out. Like, you think that's an advantage? Um, I, I think to some degree it was, but I, I, I don't I don't think that that's something that still can't be done today. Right. I just think I think what happens today is that, you know, a, a, a lot of. A lot of students, from what I see, they just go, oh, this is what so, some person said to do. And if I plug all those things in, it, it's supposed to be right. And they're not listening. You know, like I've, I've had I have students who turn in mixes and I'm like, what's going on with this mix? Like, oh, well, I put this this plug in. That's, a, you know, you do right, it pans right. this way and it pans that way. And I'm like, yeah, but do you hear that? It doesn't sound <laughs> like that. Right, right, like, right. I mean, right. I know that that's what the computer is telling you, but the computer is made by a human. Right. You know, like. <laughs> And, and and maybe you're just doing it wrong, like I, because that doesn't sound like it's on the left to me, man. That sounds like straight up on the center to me. Like, listen to it, and they're like, "Well, yeah, but that thing says that," and I'm like, "I don't care what it says, like <laughs> so, it's still in the left, bro." Like, you know, you, and yeah, and I think that those are the things that I think they they get caught up in, like the like the visual of it and i go i don't know anybody in the world i don't know anybody in the world at least humans that can see music yeah yeah maybe a dolphin can and a fucking bat can <laughs> but we can't we're yeah. humans we're hey you know yeah when, when we, we put it on spotify we don't put it so the fucking dolphins can listen to it right. we'll put it so other humans can listen to it you know like and i don't know anybody in the any human in the world that can see music we can hear it and it can strike emotional right, things right. that may trigger other might trigger memories in our head right, right. but we can't see it right right you know I go, uh, so just close your eyes and listen that's yeah. why i always tell them, just listen absolutely absolutely um i, I just want to give people a little bit of context uh you you do you you're an educator you're um you're a professor right like that's the proper term yeah if you want to call me that i mean like to me i mean I, you know it's, it's funny because my wife says oh you're an educator too i'm like yeah, but you're teaching them real shit. Like, you know, I'm not that I'm not, but you're teaching them crucial shit that these guys are going to need whether uh, they become an engineer or not. Fuck. Like, I'm teaching them stuff that they want to learn. Right, right, right. You're right. teaching them stuff that they need to learn. They don't necessarily need to learn this, but, you know, I'm teaching them stuff that, they're, that they want to learn. They're interested in it, right? So, to me, I go, I'm really getting the better end of it because I'm going to, I can talk about, like, right now, we're talking about this. You know, like we could go on forever about this. Right, Eric, right. talking about music and music technology and all that. I go, I can do that shit for free. Right. They just happen to pay me to talk to them, <laughs> talk, talk about it, and I'm cool with that. And then I get to go to the studio and I get to do it. You know. See, so I mean, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm gonna stop. So, I'm gonna stop you right there, man, um, because I know the subject matter that you that you teach and the curriculum is things that people sign up for. But I got to tell you, man, because I was once in the position of those students and you were the person that I was taking lessons from. And you do more than that, man. You do more than teach about what happens on the board and in Pro Tools. Like 
you teach right. you teach you teach wisdom man and i really i do really want to express that to you like th- there are a lot of elements that people need to know to succeed or at least have yeah, a fucking that- fighter's chance in this and you yeah. don't shy away from that. That shit's not in the textbooks. That's not oh, no, yeah, in the I, test. I know that. I know that that my that, that my my approach to things is 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 a little um, you know left field type shit. You know, like and 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 but to me that's the only way to teach it, man. It's right. kind of like driving a car, man. You can't tell somebody like, hey, just read the fucking driving manual. You're gonna be fucking fine. It's not right. gonna work that way, dude. Like you need to go and and that's why I always t- I always tell people I go look, man, like. Music is not like music. Can, okay, you're an engineer. You want to be a mix engineer? That's fucking awesome. Let's all right. Let's 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 go. Let's go that route. I go, but when you're mixing something, you're mixing something that's gonna have an emotional reaction to 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 a person. So the moves that you make are not just technical moves. It's not about how many fucking plugins you got or what compressor you're using. Like all that, yeah. Does it affect things? Yeah. But what's going to affect it the most is how you listen to it. And I think those are the things that sometimes I think the students that are really, really hardcore into it, they appreciate. But the ones that are not, they're like, fuck that. Give me the fucking, give me the goddamn formula. Yeah. And I'm like, the formula is not going to work. Right, right. Yeah. If it doesn't mean anything to you. Like, and I think that's kind of where like, you know, sometimes I, I rub heads with students because they, they want answers, you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I go, I'm not here to give you answers. I'm here to give you concepts, you know, and, and sometimes those concepts come out hard. And I, I know that sometimes that could be an asshole, but you know, guess what? You're going to run into a bunch of assholes in this industry. Absolutely. So get used to it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, know? man. So like, <laughs> that grittiness. Just, yeah. I mean, like, you got to have, I go, look, if you get so in love with a mix that you made that you think it's the best mix ever heard by humans. And then the, the, the client hears it like this completely sucks. You can take it to heart, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because doesn't, it's not no. your shit. Right. It's right. their music. Yeah. You know, that's the reality. Of it. And, if, and if you're working for somebody, you got to you gotta be able to take that. I go, look, every time I do a mix, I, I tell myself, okay, give me, the, give me the list of recalls that you need me to do. Give me the list of notes. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes it's a shitload and sometimes it's nothing. This is perfect. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, uh, let me fix some things, you know. I don't tell them that, but <laughs> I go in and do little minute little things that I know are not they're not gonna hear that. Yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. hearing it, you know? Yeah. And and they're like, This is perfect. And you know, and that's happened with like with guys like Danny, we're working on big prices. Like, Dude, this fucking mix is fucking done. And I'm like and I with him because I'm so close to him, I was like, All right, Danny, look, I'm gonna point this out to you. You probably don't don't even hear it, but I'm gonna point it out to you right here. Oh yeah. Oh, we could have got away with that. I go, yeah, but let me fix it. All right, go fix it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I always tell people, and then sometimes, man, you do shit, that, oh, this is fucking dope, and you send it to them, and those, when every time I do that, I go, those are the ones that are going to come back with the most notes, hmm. <laughs> you know? So I, I tend to myself, I, I tend to remove my that, that part of the attachment from it, and I think that's what's really hard for students coming on, coming in now because they're 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 more... There's students who I think want to be art that want to be artists instead of necessarily like an engineer or a producer. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then that word producer, like it's thrown around so loosely right, nowadays right. that it's like, so what is a producer? It's not just a beat maker. Correct, correct. You know, the beat making is one one part of the process for a certain style of music. You know, if you want to, if you say, hey, I want I want to be a producer, I want to produce, you know, jazz oriented groups. 
then you you know that's a whole you're not gonna write i mean you might write the music for them but you might not yeah i agree with that i think the the uh the process of making a record from scratch and and i think people are losing interest in that uh you know everything's just so like fast and convenient now like i could make an album over the weekend and have that shit up on streaming platforms in five days and only spend 50 bucks and it's wild and, they, and, and, that, and i and i think that's fine dude hey if yeah that's, if that's where you want to go but i always say man look dude if if if, if you want to if you want to paint a fucking masterpiece you don't do that shit over the weekend dude right, that's right. the reality of it dude like because right. you know what that song probably didn't even get developed correctly right you just wrote a song it doesn't mean it's finished and i and i think that's kind of where these, these people I, from what I see, dude, look, this happened probably a few years back where I had a student, we had, a, we were having a discussion in class about, you know, like, you know, it's, it, it was really when Spotify was taken off. So this is a few years back, you mm-hmm. know, and people are going like, you know, I've written a song, I've mixed it, I've mastered it, everything like, you know, I crossed all my T's and dotted my eyes, like I was saying, and I uploaded it. He goes, how come I'm not famous? That's what the kid said, what dude. The fuck? <laughs> right. And I go, that's the oh, problem boy. i go you the problem is is that you want to be famous you don't care whether you're a musician a painter uh you know whatever it is you want to be famous yeah so yeah. you should stick to something that's going to get you famous because making music making great music that's going to last a lifetime takes a lot a lot of work i go dude let's let's think of Someone probably more in the, in, in, in the common era that most people would recognize. Right. Let's talk about Paul McCartney. Okay, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, if you if you listen to the first song you ever wrote, it's cool. Yeah. But it took him fucking years to develop to make songs that people are still listening to. If you listen yeah. to, like, all the Motown shit, mm. those guys that were writing those songs, it wasn't their first song and they cranked it out over a weekend. And, and if they did, the only reason they did is because they had cranked out a thousand songs before that absolutely you know? absolutely man so i mean like it's it's like it's like saying oh man dude eric i bought me these fucking great set of fucking chef's knives and i went to the market and bought food come <laughs> by tomorrow i'm gonna have the fucking greatest fucking food uh, you've ever tasted so oh you cook no man this is the first time i'm ever gonna cook bro and you'll be like oh i ain't eating that shit because you know like yeah yeah i mean it's like a chef dude a chef doesn't become a chef overnight right 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 you, you it know, takes time and experience, and, and and I think what it is is that they don't. There's, what's that word that my friend uses? Is um, instant gratification. Yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah. the phrase that he uses. And one hundred percent. And we're all we're all guilty of doing that, right? I mean, we all want shit right away. Like, you know, our computer takes five minutes to turn on. Well, what the fuck? Right. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like wait a minute. I mean, we're getting caught up in that, but I mean, with music, I always tell people, I go, man, like, you know, I mean, like can you crank out a song over the weekend yeah is it gonna be good well i don't know how much experience do you have in making songs how many you know what about your production values all that all that all that matters dude like you know as as much as the song is the most important part of a production all those other things that come behind it are i would say that that they're, they're, they're as important but they're most definitely part of the brew you know it's it's like you know even on the label side man like you see an artist and they have good records and, you know, stuff that you really feel, stuff that you, you, you know, kind of, you, you love. Right. But you have to be real with them and break it down and say, hey, look, these aren't ready yet. In yeah. fact, you're not ready yet. Uh, yeah. Let's take some time, you know, let's, let's figure out a few things. 
it may not be perfect when it hits the market, but at least it'll be in a better place than it is now. Yeah. And, you know, some those things are important and to have people oh, around yeah, that, you. That, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that, 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 you know, I think, I think that was, I wish there was more of that. Absolutely. You know, because sometimes, dude, you know, we, we hear songs like, like Beatles songs that we hear, that we hear now that we're like, oh, fucking no, oh, classic. And I'm like, but the song didn't start out that way, man. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. The song, you know, they actually developed it. And I think that's what people don't want to do nowadays is they don't want to develop. They don't want to. And I get it, man. Like, you know, the budgets are all fucked up. And I right. think a lot of it has to do with the fact that that it's great that everybody has access. But just because you have access doesn't mean you should be doing it. Like, you know, someone says, oh, man, I'm just going to, you know, I got this Pro Tools rig or I got this this DAW. And, you know, I got all these plugins that I fucking I didn't pay for. I stole them. And I'm gonna go and just I, I got I can do it I can do it on myself and that's great, maybe you can yeah. But the yeah. reality of it is like, you know, if wouldn't you rather have your music be like catered by somebody who dedicates himself to just doing that? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and does it cost money? Yeah, it does cost money. Do you, and and I know you don't want to pay for it because you're used to not paying for shit. Right, right, right. You know, and that's the problem. You know, you know, I, I tell people sometimes like when they're early on in the process and they, they have that 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 dilemma, I always tell them, like, just reach out, have an honest conversation with this person who you want to work on your record. And you may yeah. not have the budget and they will tell you if it doesn't work for them. But at the very yeah. least, you're making those connections with the people who maybe eventually exactly. will work on your record. And yeah. when you do have the budget, they know what you're about. They know what you're trying to strive for. Right. And that shit's going to be better. So, uh, you know. I mean, dude, I, I, I do that with bands all the time. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's, it's really how we how we reached out to Tropa Magica is that we said, fuck, we like what you're about. Let's come in and let's work on one song. We're not going to charge you, dude. Yeah. Like, maybe can we get a little bit of the publishing? Yeah, okay, cool. Let's work something out. Right, so right. So that you guys have the better end of the stick. We just want to be part of it. For sure. For sure. And, and and dude, and that's how that relationship started. And eventually, like, we got a budget. You know, I know we're not used to, but can you still do it? I'm fucking down to do it, dude. Right, right, right. You know, and it's always been like that with them. Like, you know, I mean, like, I, I love working with something that, that, because they're excited about their music, and I like that, and their music sounds so dope. And I think if a lot of people, a lot of artists would just reach out to somebody yep. that they figure, oh, man, I like the way this guy works, or I like... I like some of the stuff that he's doing. Or I've heard about this person. Because what's the worst they're going to say? Yeah, sorry, I can't do it. I'm too busy right now. Or if you don't got the cash, I'm sorry. Or whatever it is. Right, right. You at least reached out. And maybe they might say, hey, I can't do it. But my assistant can do it. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah. I mean, like. It, it's, it's, mean, it's a fear, Caesar. You know, it's a. Pe people have a fear of, um, like, getting turned down or hearing no. And. I like I don't know. It's like hey, that's that's, that's yeah. how this industry is, bro. Right, you know right. what I mean? Like I mean like I, I always tell people, I go, look, what's the worst that can happen? They say no? Okay, at least you know. You yeah. know, I mean like, I always just say, Hey, look, just reach out to people. Like I mean, dude, I reach out to people when I'm having issues all the time. Like we've yeah. been getting into this like the, this whole Dolby Atmos thing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, and I went and got the software and I couldn't figure it out and I, you know I called the guy that I knew was doing it and, and I go, Hey man, I'm having these issues and oh what try this, try that. And you know, we couldn't really resolve it either because I think we were just missing one little thing that was kind of fucking us up. And but but by talking to him, 
we realized what that was after we hung up. I was like, oh, shit, it's this. And boom, all of a sudden, the thing started working. Like, oh, fuck, okay, this is great. So then we've been having more conversations. Hey, what are you doing for this? What are you doing for that? And it's it's become it's become that that type of and, – and, but I wasn't going to say, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to ask him because he might say, fuck, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, you I'm can't like, be afraid of that. I I'm an idiot. Yeah, I mean, like, what's the worst that he would have said? Oh, sorry, I can't help you, Caesar. If I, hey, man, you got to pay for a consultation fee. I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. You know? Like, <laughs> it could have been any of those, but he didn't. He said, oh, yeah, let's get on a Zoom call right now. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, we were on the phone. We were on a Zoom call for two hours. That wasn't like, I know he's busy. Right. But and, he wasn't. Sorry, I just want to say, like, I think there are more people out there that want to help than people actually realize. Oh, yeah, yeah 100%, dude. Because I mean, we're all we all want to be part of that like community of music that that's that that has something fresh and new, dude. You know, I mean, but I I don't think I just think that a lot of artists are like, uh, or or they feel that for some reason or another, and, and I get this, that for some reason or another, that person's gonna sabotage their shit. Mm, <laughs> you know, mm, mm. and I always tell people like, like I've had I've had that in the studio, dude. Where like you know, like someone in the past, like, oh, what the fuck's going on? And I would have to step outside with them and go, look, dude, I'm on your team. What, what, what do I get about messing up this recording for you? Right, right. What is that? What, what, what is that? It's gonna look bad on me, right? Like, think about that. If I say, oh, I'm gonna deliberately fuck this up for you, <laughs> what, what do I get out of that? Yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. You're paying me, and I might get your money, but in the end, you're gonna say one thing's gonna happen for sure. If I were deliberately to do that. Don't you're gonna tell your friends, yeah. and their friends are gonna tell their friends, don't work with this guy because it's right. what he does. Right. And then two, when the record comes out, they're like, who the fuck worked on that? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So reputation. Think about that. It, it doesn't make any sense. I go. I just think that you're a little paranoid because maybe somewhere down the line, you had a bad experience somewhere, and I get that. You know, but then you need to be vocal about it and say, hey, sees. You know, last time when I worked on this this was happening to my sound and I didn't really like that. There was, is there a way we can make sure that happens or can, can we work on it? So it, I get it to the point where, where I feel okay about it. You know, that's a really good approach. I tell them, you know, you know, cause I, no one's ever going to tell you no. You know, that, that leads me to a question and we're kind of a little bit over time. Um, are, are you cool on time or? Are you yeah, gonna... yeah. 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 Okay. Like what kind of tips would you give like young producers or young engineers when they're in a studio setting and they want to make the performer or the artist, you know, feel comfortable to communicate those type of things? Like, like what are like some, cause I, I know etiquette is huge and yeah, big time. And you know, I think some people might not really be at that level yet to really, really take control of the etiquette aspect. Like what are some right. like basic things people, people you, can you do? Know, I, I, I always tell this and it's something that I do even to this day like like i always tell people look man like like when i'm about to work with a band for the first like it kind of happened with Tropa. like i go hey man you guys want to hang out yeah and they're like uh yeah sure and that and that's what it becomes even if we're hanging out at the studio we'll come and we'll listen to music and we talk about music about stuff that we like because then they feel like like one they can tell if, if they're not and they don't have a lot of studio experience it's going to be hard for them to feel comfortable to tell you something because they feel like you're the expert and whatever you're doing is right. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the case because what's right is what's making their what's making them feel good about their sound, you know? Mm -hmm. So I always tell people, I go, look, if you're if you're about to work with somebody, or even if you're not, like the first thing to do is to try to make them feel as comfortable as you can. Like, you know, sometimes it happens it happens more times than, than not now where I have 
musicians that come in that I'm meeting for the first time. But because they're already coming in with somebody that either A recommended me or they're coming into a session where like, you know, whoever's bringing them in, there's already a good vibe, you know? Yeah. But, but I, a lot of it is just about, you know, just making them feel really comfortable so that they can feel like, and I always tell them, I go, hey, if at any point you hear something that you think is not, like, you don't, like, it sounds weird to you, like, by all means, let me know. There's, there's no, trust me, like, I, you might feel like I'm the expert in this thing, but I need to know that you're okay with it because yeah. in the end, it's your music. It's not my music. So, I mean, I, I want to make sure I do the best job for your music. And that's usually will kind of break the ice, you yeah. know? You know, so a lot of times you, when you're not sure, this is another thing that happens. I think that when you're not sure as, as a producer or the engineer, you don't want to, you don't want to make them feel like you're not sure, hmm. you know, but there's no, there's no shame in going, Hmm, where's this going? You know? Yeah. 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 Because a lot of people hear, you know, they hear the stories of, you know, the, you know, the Rick Rubens or all those producers where they kind of do shit their way, you know? Right, right, right. And it's like, okay, but that's Rick Rubin. That's what, there can only be one Rick Rubin. Correct. Regardless whether you agree with the way he does his things or not, it worked for him. You know? That's true, man. Like, like those, those are it. There's only one Bob Rock and there's only one Daniel Lanois. Like, those things are only going to, there's only one Pharrell Williams. I, I, like, I, those are the guys that, that, that worked for them. You can't, you know, there's one, there's only one, you know, Terrace Martin, those are the guys, they do their, you might not agree with the way they do their things, but that's the way they do that, that works for them. Yeah. And maybe you might think like, you might disagree with them and go, well, I ain't working, never working with that person again, that's fine. But that's, I, I do things the way I do. And I think the, the biggest thing is to make them feel comfortable, you know, like from very early on, because if you don't, then, you know, that that's, it's going to be an uphill battle all the whole time, you know, like that, that's in music production. When I teach that class, I go, that's one of your biggest things to do is to make sure the artist feels comfortable. And a lot of ways, a lot of times the way you set your vibe, they're going to react to that. That's true, man. That's so true. You know, that's so fucking and, true. And it takes experience. I go, you might fuck it up the first few times, dude. But I, I, I sure, I surely did. I mean, like I look back at some of those early sessions and, and, you know, and, and, you know, and, you know, when I noticed it, it was, Oh man, I would say about 20 years ago, dude, when I first noticed it, I had it because I've been doing this since 1991, dude, mm -hmm. you know? So somewhere in like 2000, I remember, dude, that, that, that I was here at the studio. This is back in the days of answering machines. I had an answering machine here, right? And a client <laughs> called and I picked it up, but it was after the answering machine had, had, had picked it up. So I got the phone and I was talking to him and the guy's like, oh, Kenny. Okay. And I remember we were going back and forth about something. And I heard the message, and I go, damn, dude, I sound like such an asshole, man. <laughs> and I told my friends, is that what I sound like? He's like, yeah, most of the time, that's how you sound like, dude. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, that is so fucked up, man. I can't be doing that shit. Like, yeah. man, I feel really bad about that. And I called the guy back. And I was like, hey, dude, I'm sorry. I go, I sound like I was like I was a complete dick. He's like, well, I thought you were maybe, like, fucking a bad mood or something. <laughs> I was like, no, dude, that's just the way it came off. Like, dude, trust me, man. That's not that's not at all what I meant. Like, this is, this ain't hey, my, whatever, like, look, what I was trying to say was probably more what you were trying to say. But, you know, I got into the whole technical aspect yeah, of it. So, yeah. you know, I, I was going that route, you know, and I go, I didn't mean it like this. Oh, no, no, it's cool, man. It's no big deal. Like, you know, like, I go, I go, oh, well, thank you for calling. You know, like, that was really, that was really nice of you because I, I wasn't sure. I was like, well, what the fuck's up with this dude? You know, like. 
But I mean, so I always tell people, I go, man, like, record yourself talking to these fucking, like, how, how are you going to talk to somebody? Because sometimes that makes a big difference. And you'll catch yourself. And I was like, oh, and then from then on, dude, I was like, okay, dude, I, I can't. I can't be like that. So when I'm on the phone with somebody, when I'm talking about things like that with a new client, I always try to make sure, even over the phone, it's like, hey, man, I'm here to fucking make sure you're good. What do you need? You know, and they're like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I want to I wanna do this. I want to do that. Okay, perfect. Yep. You know, we can do it. You know, and then when we get here, we run into an issue. We'll make sure we fix it. So some of, like, you know, some, that, some of the themes I'm getting is like communication and humility and, yeah. and understanding like energy between people. Like, yeah. Important, man. Super important. Yeah. You know, I mean, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it is hard to read people. Like, I've, yeah. I've, you know, I've worked with bands where, like, fuck, like, I have to tell them straight off, like, hey, bro, like, I'm having a real issue reading you right now, man. Like, <laughs> I don't understand what you're trying to tell me. Like, if it's like, 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 you're okay with me making it better, but you don't want me to do it a certain way. Like, I don't understand that. Like, like I'm just trying to make it better, right? You're like, right. yeah, you're okay if it gets to this point. Like this is a, the the final outcome, right? And I go, well, I'm just telling you that in order to get to this is what I need to do, but you're not okay with me doing it that way. So I don't. I'm, it's really hard for me to read you. Yeah, yeah. And the guy's like, oh well, uh, and I'm and I and I and I know what it is is that there's it, it usually comes from a from a thing of like you know having a bad experience from somewhere else, mm, and then mm. just that fear, you know, like oh fuck. You know, that that always triggers shit, you know, it's well, we're in the mess that we're in right now in fucking America or in the world, you know, because it's out of fear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I always tell people, man, hey, look, it, it's OK. Like it's a really it's about communication, dude. Like, you know, and, Absolutely. And, and, and really one, one of the things that I think that has made me better at, at doing it is 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 being married for fucking 18 years. You know, <laughs> I mean, that I always tell people, man, like, dude. If you want to have a long marriage, you got to learn how to communicate. Man, that is so you know? true. I'm not married, go, but you, so true. Dude, I mean, like, if you sit down and you say, I'm not answering this shit, there, there, there goes, there goes. I mean, because a lot of the times you guys are on the, you're, you're on the same fucking team. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In a marriage, you're on the same team always. Yeah. You know? Saying the same shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's like, and I always tell people, I go, look, I'm here to make sure that you're good. Because if you're good and you're happy, then I'm happy. I want this mix to come out the way you want it to come out, not the way I want it to come out. Because it's not my music, or else I'd be writing music for a fucking living. I'm not. I'm helping you with your music. You talked a little bit about legacy and writing records or making records that are going to stand the test of time. Um, you know, there's probably no better example than than Herbie Hancock. Um, yeah. Man. Uh, Obviously, I'm sure people ask all the time, but I'm just curious, like, what, what are some of the things and, you know, whatever you can share is fine. But, like, what are some of the things you've learned being around, like, a world-class, like, musician like Herbie? Fuck. There's no such thing as a word we can't do it or the phrase we can't do it. Hmm. Right? Like, I learned that really early on from them from watching, you know, when I was there. You know, it's kind of like the runner position, you know, that type of thing. And then eventually I became more an assistant engineer. So I would I would see a lot of these world-class engineers come through and work with them. And, and I remember the guys that would say, no, I, we're not going to do it that way. And he'd be like, I want to do it that way. We There's no way you can't tell me we can't do it that way. And, and, and dude, and that's happened even to me to certain times where, like, you know, I remember once, dude, this was early on when the, when the tr 
first trash can Mac, the trash can Max came out, the ones mm. that like little trash cans. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. And and I remember that we we had to do a session with uh, with the actor Andy Garcia, right? We we're gonna do like some like voiceover thing, and he wanted us to use that new computer. So well, he wanted us to start setting it up. So we put the new Pro Tools rig out of the whole Pro Tools system, and then we said. Like, okay, after the session is done, because it's like going to be over the weekend, go, we'll come in on Monday and we'll set the whole thing up so then we can really do it. And he's like, no, I want to use that one. And he's like, I don't want to use that. He goes, but with Herbie, we don't recommend that. Goes, I want to use it, so make it work. Figure out a way to make it work. Because <laughs> the computer was in one room and the whole rig was in another one. So we had to get pretty much the, well, the reason we couldn't use it is because there was no way to connect the monitor mm. between the computer and the, and the, and the machine room. The only and then we go fuck dude and, he, and he's like man what the hell is wrong with you guys just it was me and one of his other uh, other like uh guys like his keyboard tech was a studio manager yeah and then he's he was telling us like he, i remember that he was on his way out and we were kind of trying to tell him no Herbie, this and that and whoever came to pick him up he goes could you believe these guys they're like dinosaurs they want to go backwards it's about going forward man how are we gonna be involved <laughs> And we just go, all right, fucking nice talking shit to us. All right, we started laughing, right? <laughs> and then he, he left, and we're like, all right, dude, what the fuck are we going to do? And we're like, so we found out there was a fucking a 60-foot Thunderbolt cable, dude. Oh, shit. And in order for us to get it the next day, it was going to cost 500 bucks, dude. Oh, shit. Right? So and so I, when he came back, I go, Herbie, I think we found a solution. What is that? I go, it's a fucking, it's a 60-foot Thunderbolt cable, but fuck, it's $500. Like, I don't give a fuck order it. I go, Really? <laughs> $500? He goes, hey, I'm telling you to order it, right? I'm like, yeah. I go, then fucking order it. So we ordered it. And we came the next day, and I got there early in the morning, and he had, he had just kind of gotten up, right? And I go, hey, Herbie, man, fuck, sorry about yesterday. You know, I go, but you know what? That's why you inspire me, because you're always trying to make us fucking evolve and go forward. I go, like, I goes, well, how the fuck else are we going to evolve? We can't be doing the same shit over and over, because we, we don't do new shit. Yeah, yeah. And I go, look, Herbie, I go, man, I'll tell you right now, dude, I've learned more from you about recording and the art of recording than any other producer engineer I've ever worked with. I go, because that's what it is, that you always want to do new shit. And to do new shit, you got to have new work methods, like new workflows or figure something out. He's like, but that's the way life is, dude. Like, you have to move forward or else, what's the point? You know, there wouldn't be an electric car right now if some guy, if we just kept making gasoline cars forever. Yeah. We wouldn't have electric cars. We wouldn't have a computer the way it is now if we decided that we're only going to have computers that only fit on a giant-ass room. You know? Yeah. Like, some someone said, like, oh, let's do something new. And that takes time, and it takes development, and it takes all these things, and it takes all these, like, you know, uphill battles. But you overcome them, and then you go, oh, shit. And you tell the next generation, these are the things you're not going to do so that you can get there faster. You know, and that and that's really what I've learned from him, dude. Is is that is like, is like, learning to just do new shit. It's <laughs> it's know? amazing. And, and sometimes, yeah, it, it is cool, dude. Like, and and I'll be honest, dude. Sometimes we don't want to do new shit because <laughs> doing the same shit is comfortable. It's easy, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're anything, you know, if, if if I've learned anything from him, is that eventually that gets boring, and and it's so true. Like mm. that's why he's always making records that sound different because. Mm. He gets bored of doing the same shit. I was going to say, man, it's amazing that someone who made amazing records decades ago and could have stopped then right. and still would have had like 
these like amazing I, career, ama- an amazing career, but is still looking to innovate. Like that's yeah, yeah. I hear you, man. That's inspiring. Like I that's yeah, it is. that is a great environment I mean, to that, be that, around. That's kind of what you know what I was fortunate enough to to learn from him. You know, it has been that is that you know like you know and and and, and I think to something and and that most I most definitely have that has rubbed off on me in, in every which way, like, you know, from the way we design the studio here to the way our workflows are, like all, all those little things are like, you know, and, 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 and I think just some, some, to some degree it's by nature, but I think a lot of, I mean, I probably would have had that, that kind of mindset already, but I've been but, but meeting and working with somebody like him yeah, has allowed me to take it even further to go, well, fuck, how the fuck are we going to do that? We, Dude, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the the other day, dude, I was building this fucking. I had to build a talkback cable for a fucking like uh, for the for the SSL console, right? Mm-hmm. And and I had made one, and I go, here it is, and it didn't work, you know. And I had given it to the client, and he goes, it didn't work. I'm like, what the fuck? You made it didn't work. I followed the instructions on the manual, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know, but it didn't work. And I'm okay, then, dude. Let me go fucking test it, dude. And I had to sit there and like, you know, it was a decent connector. So I had every single little one, but they didn't tell you you had to connect another cable. And I had to literally go pin by pin by pin until it actually worked. Fuck. And I, and, but see, like, I don't know if, if maybe I would have done that before, but I think because of Herbie, like that's, that's the environment. That's like the camp that I grew up in. Yeah. You know? So that was always the case. Like, I don't know how, I don't, well, fuck it. Let's figure it out. And that's amazing. That has always been this thing. Like, Let's figure it out. Like, I mean, dude, when we redesigned a studio once, it was like, hey, I want it so that the signal not only goes, goes to the Pro Tools system, but it also, you know, like, molts out and goes into this other mixer where I can access it with everything without having to turn on Pro Tools. Hmm. So we had to figure out how to do all that shit, dude. You know? And yeah. and I remember I remember once we were sitting around, we were having dinner right around that time, and it was and it was Herbie, Kamasi Washington, Paris Martin. Wow. And I think it was Robert Glasper, That's... and then and then me and then then me and my and Brian was this keyboard tech uh, studio manager. Yeah, and they were talking. They were they were saying like, "Dude, your fucking studio is so awesome. You got it all set up to do this." And the, and then and I, and then they you know like everyone oh, was these guys you know and then these other kids and they go yeah you know like yeah we just had to you know between the three of us we had to figure out her because we didn't figure out shit. You figured that shit out. I go, well, no, but I, I wouldn't have done that if you wouldn't have requested that. Like, I would have just done it the way I've always done it, you know? So it was between the three of us. Like, nah, man, you did this shit. And I was like, oh, okay. But but those are the things that he's allowed us to do. And, and, and just being around him, dude, like, it's like you have that access, you yeah, know? So it's like, yeah. hey, we don't, okay, well, fuck it. Call somebody that might know. Okay, well, let's call. Hey, we're calling from, you know, Hancock. He's, oh, shit, okay. Yeah. As opposed to, like, this is me, Caesar from East LA. Can you help me out? Let me fuck you. They hung up on your ass, you know. <laughs> That's yeah. You know, so, have Have you heard the dinner party uh, record with? Uh, I haven't. I've been wanting to hear it, but I heard it's pretty cool. It's a solid record, man. I love it. I was yeah. all of last year. That's I would listen to that shit like every day. Yeah. Um, man, that's awesome. I that. Thanks for sharing that. That's that. I hope people can 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 get inspired by that. You know, to hear that a successful working musician that has been doing it for so long is still trying to push the envelope. Um, yeah, dude, that's one thing about him that's, that's fucking awesome about him, dude. Like, you know, it's always, it's always new shit, you know, like, you know, I, I fuck that. There was one time we were in a session and then, and, and, you know, like I think I told you before that sometimes they want these 
sometimes musicians come in and they're like, oh, we want to, oh, it's jazz shit, so we're going to bring a jazz drum kit. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And and sometimes it's hard to work on those jazz drum kits to get a lot of power out of them, you know? So, like, you know, I would mention, like, hey, anyway, we can take that, that front head off and there would be no, but Herbie would hear it and he'd be like, hey, did he tell you to take the head off? He's like, yeah, so we'll take it off. He's like, really? But he's like, just take it off. And they're not going to tell him no. They'll tell me no, but yeah. they won't tell him no. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, fuck. And yeah, then we do it and, and it turns into some new shit, <laughs> you know? And I go, look, all I'm trying to do is give you guys flexibility so that if you want to have the old sound, it's, I'll make it work that way. But then this other way, we can have the old and the new, and then you can yeah. blend it to whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, and that, that's really what it is. It's about flexibility. And that's all mm. Herbie has ever wanted to do is like, let's make it so that we can take it any which way we can at whatever fucking given moment we need to. That's awesome, man. You know? Look. It sounds fun too. Yeah, it, it is. It could be challenging sometimes, you know, because you know sometimes things are moving really fast or whatever, right, right. maybe, or sometimes you know you get resistance or whatever that 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 is, you know. But you know, with with when he's around, dude, it, it's it's really fucking cool because like it's it's all about new shit. That's dope. That's super you know? cool. It's always about doing new new shit, and I think I've I've learned to pick that up, you know. And and sometimes I don't do new shit. A lot of times I get stuck in my ways too, but. I always tell myself, okay, fuck, well, let me let me try this other way. You know, like, lately, that's kind of been my mode, like, in the last, I, I probably since COVID started, I was like, all right, dude, since we're, we're doing things differently right now, let me just take advantage of this. And that's kind of been my whole mode of, like, doing shit on a whole new, like, it feels like I'm starting, not starting out lower, but, like, like, I'm starting fresh to a certain yeah. degree. Yeah, that's you know? a good feeling, though. That's Yeah, that's, it is. It's, that's, it's exciting, you know? Yeah, that's very exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, see, we're going to wrap up right now, but, uh, yesterday I put it on Instagram if anybody want to ask any questions and I got a few questions. So, um, oh, cool. we're going to ask them right now. Some are a little silly, but awesome. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm into silly questions. All right. The first one, <laughs> the first one is where you named after the dressing. <laughs> All right. No, I wasn't. I was, cause my name is not. My name, people call me Caesar, but my name is Cesar. Right, right, right. right. So it's spelled without the first A. So, so no, I was not named after the dressing, unfortunately. <laughs> Hopefully, I could have had a little bit of a publishing yeah, royalties man. coming off of that, right? Some, some residuals <laughs> there. All right. The next one is if you could own any mic, what would it be and why? Oh, fuck. What would it be and why? You know, man, I'm going to tell you right now, dude. Like, to me, that's like saying, it's like telling a chef, if you could only have one knife, what would it be? He's going to tell you, well, I need all of them. I need, right. I need different ones for different purposes. I mean, if there's one, I would have to say something that sounds unique. And, and, and I kind of own some of those that sound unique. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a microphone from a company called uh, Copper Tone. Mm-hmm. And they make this thing called the RU81, I believe. And it sounds fucking like it's an old-ass mic, dude. Mm. And, I, and I put it on a drum kit just to give it flavor, like to make it sound like dirty and gringy you know so yeah, yeah maybe i mean is it versatile no but I, if i could only have one mic i don't know i would probably pick a u87 or a u47 probably mm. those would probably be it you know right. but i i don't know my first choice but i think it's an overall good mic to have all right um the next question is what is the quickest way to make money as an engineer oh fuck um put first develop your art <laughs> you know, your craft. Mm-hmm. I think that, that to me is really it because like, 
I mean, you can say you're going to make something for somebody, but the reality is that you're only as good as your last work, dude. Mm. You know, I mean, that that's, I mean, some, and some work doesn't come out the way you planned it and it might not necessarily be your fault, but like, you know, the quickest, the quickest way, I mean, I don't think there is a quick way. I mean, because you have to develop the art. Like you can't just, you know, get a computer and say, oh, I'm going to put all these presets and it's going to work because it, it's all source-based, you know, like yeah. you can't put a, a rock, you know, you can't put a compressor and put the preset that says rock kick right. because you don't know what size that kick drum or how it was recorded. You know, was the mic really close or was it really far? Right, right. You know, so I, I think I think there is no quick way. I, I think you have to develop it, you know. Uh, the next question is when you upload music to, you know, things like Apple Music or Spotify, uh, there might be some compression. I don't know if that's the case anymore, actually. Uh, but what's something to look out for? Um, well, you know, you usually do when I, when I do a mix when I'm, because I, a lot of times I'm more at the mixing stage than at the mastering stage. Mm -hmm. When I'm at the mixing stage, I, I, I don't necessarily look, look for those, those issues. You know, I'm, I'm more like just with trying to make it sound the best that I could between a set of two speakers, you know? Yeah. And then really really checking it between systems that that's a that's a big thing that i do like you know i think for like between 60 to 80 percent of the time that i mix i'm mixing on, on ns10s hmm. which is you know a fairly i wouldn't say i would say it, it's an average speaker it's not it's not a great speaker i just know it really well yeah you know and and i'll check on bigger systems and i have this little i don't know if you remember these i, I guess i still have them to some degree but the very first iphones they used to make these um these i docs that had speakers on them. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So they're kind of it's kind of it's kind of equivalent to like a Bluetooth speaker nowadays, and it has an aux input on it. Mm. So from my system, I'm able to use it as a, as another alternate speaker. <laughs> I so love I that. check mixes on that a lot, and I even have set up here in, in in our studio. We have a little boombox set up outside, and we can actually send a live mix to that to that little boombox and and be able to adjust it as as it's playing. So. Listening on multiple on multiple systems is one really key thing when you're mixing. But then at the mastering stage, I'm always sure I, I, I don't try to like master super, super, super hot nowadays yeah. because the streaming services, the services are going to like reduce it to some degree. And the more you, the hotter you mix, the hotter you master, the more it's going to crush it. Yeah. So I tend not I tend to give at a good level. And, I, and, and the way I do it is that I always I always make an MP3 for a client and you you kind of were, were, were you, you, this is the way I send it to you. Is I make an MP3 that sounds pretty much what it would sound like off the streaming services. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then the one that I give you for for like that's supposed to be for uploading is is at is at a little bit lower level, so that when you upload it, it doesn't smash it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's how you get it to be louder. Really, is by not going so loud. Yeah. So that's kind of my advice on that. I mean, that's just what works for me. It might not necessarily work for you. You know. Okay. Um, <laughs> this one's kind of funny. Uh, what's the best way to record a whistle without <laughs> picking up the breath or the breathing? Don't don't whistle straight into the mic. Yeah. <laughs> whistle on the side of it. Yeah. Or put it further up or something like that. I mean, yeah, that that's a hard one. I think because a lot of people think like, oh, I'm gonna get real close, but that yeah. it's it's more because when you do that, you get that proximity effect. So I think maybe whistling into the side or. Or putting the mic above you so that the breath, all the air doesn't shoot into the capsule. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
All right, this is the last one from the from the from the audience questions, but I have a few questions I want to ask you too. Or a little more, sure. a little more on the fun side, less technical. Um, right. This one says, and I think you might have answered this throughout the conversation, but the question is, how much has technology affected your workflow? Has it been harder or easier, or both? I don't. Yeah. Oh man, I I would say it's. Um, I would have to say that it's. Um, it's made it funner, I think, for me. I mean, the the workflows have become way more complex, especially in the last like two, three years. I mean, I mean, and obviously the technology we've been using has been around, you know, like the, the pretty much the workflow that I've had has probably been pretty similar in the last ten years. But I think in the last two or three years, like like that workflow has has become super super fun for me now. Like I. You know, for a while, for a while, I was kind of I was kind of digressing from using a lot of my outboard gear, even even at the mixing stage. Mm-hmm. I was using some of it and all of it, but now I've been incorporating way more back into it, and I, I think it's because of those workflows that allow me to to have that. I mean, the system we have here is pretty it's pretty complex. It's like uh, what is it like thirty thirty? Is it? Yeah, it's uh, thirty two in forty out. Hmm. You know, so that system allows us to to incorporate a lot of the analog stuff back into especially at the mixing stage you know um so i mean it's made it funner it's made it more complex um at least for me i i mean i don't know if it's necessarily deteriorated or not i mean i guess my clients would be the only ones that would say yeah man you know six years ago he was getting better mixes you know or whatever <laughs> they, you know but i haven't heard that from them they haven't told me that yet so you know um i i think it's become a lot more funner for me i don't yeah. think it's necessarily deteriorating i think the access has most definitely had more people into it, but I think it's not necessarily just because you have the access that means you should be doing it, you know? Right, I mean, like, right. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, I got a few questions. They're, they're sure. um, not really music related. Just, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're a LA cat, man. You're, you're born and raised in LA. Uh, so what's your favorite spot to eat at anywhere in LA? Oh, fuck. Well, what am I, mo- what's, what's the mood that I'm in? Is uh, it sushi? All right. If okay. If it's sushi, dude, there's a, there's a, if there's a place in, that's one of my favorite sushi. There's a place called Umasa. Okay, where's right? that? Where's that? It's in it's in this little Tokyo. It's on it's on First Street, passing Alameda. You know where that? Yeah. Where they have that the the tower from the Manzanillo uh, camp that they had. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's right there, dude. That 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 place is good. And there's another one in Ball Heights called um, Otomi Sun. Okay. It's on it's on First Street and Soto, dude. It's right be- like if you're going. Westbound on First Street, it's right before Soto. It's a little hole in the wall, dude. That place is really good too. All right. And that place has been there since like the fifties, dude. Damn. Yeah, it's been there. The, those are my like as far as sushi, those are my places. With taco places, oh man, there's so many, dude. Like obviously, you know, I'm an East LA cat, dude. So like East LA cats are gonna favor King Taco a lot, you know? Yeah, for sure. But that doesn't mean there's other great tacos like like Guisados is another awesome place that i like like yeah, yeah. Has, it's different it's way different the way they serve this stuff but and the way or what they serve but guisado is another one and there's a couple other places that are that are good i can't can't oh that place that's right here doesn't banana leaf know those guys right there on wabash and forest i believe oh the uh like the, the oaxacan mediterranean that fucking <laughs> that place is awesome dude, i like that fuck. place yeah that place is that, really that, good so, yeah um Man, it just depends on what mood. If I want an Indian food, I go to this place in Pasadena called the All India Cafe. That place is dope. I'm gonna check that out. I love Indian yeah, food. Yeah, if you go for lunch, they got like a good little lunch 
special and the menu and the menu's really good. Dude, Indian food is underrated in LA. Oh my god, dude, it's fucking so. My kids, one of my kids, oh my god, he loves that, dude. We buy because <laughs> you know we can't go to the to the Indian place all the time, so we buy a lot of like the, the shit at Trader Joe's. Oh and yeah, we yeah. Buy, like chicken tikka masalas <laughs> and samosas, dude. That's what he took for lunch today. My kids. That's hilarious. Oh, I want to make some some all right. Let's put them in the oven. You take them for lunch, dude. Hey, those are and good, man. Those are really good. Yeah, they good. are good, dude. There was a few left over in the morning, so I had those for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, do they like the uh, the spicy stuff? Because that shit can get yeah, really they're, they're spicy, that, dude. Yeah. Right, one one cool. of my kids, one of my kids is a really like he's big into sushi, like I am. And this guy will eat oysters and sea urchin and all that shit. Yeah, dude. yeah. Hell yeah. You know. Hell yeah. Have you ever been to uh to to Japan? I haven't, dude. That's one of the places that we want to go. Like, me and my family want to go there, dude. Yeah, that's Have just different. Yeah, I went uh, in 2018 or 19. Oh, I don't fuck. That must be fucking cool, dude. Dude, the sushi is... I mean, obviously, this is... Obviously, goes without saying. The experience is ridiculous. Um, As far as, like, quality and, the exp- and, like... Just, like, the whole thing, how they serve you. So, yeah, yeah. man. If, if you guys... Once this whole shit, like, boils over, I, that's definitely... Uh, I always tell people, like, you yeah. got to go there once at least. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we had, we went we went to we went to Hawaii this this summer, mm. and um, we had sushi out there. And we even that was different, dude. Yeah, for sure. You know? Um, you're 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 a beer drinker, right? Oh hell yes. What's uh um what, what have you been drinking lately? What's something you can recommend? That's well, you re- know what I think. As much of a beer beer drinker that I am, I haven't really drank a lot of beer this summer, but. But usually, what I, like my my go to beers is I like red ales. All right, and, all right. And, and there's two of them that there's one that's my favorite. It's from Mendocino County. Mm-hmm. It's called Red Seal. It's okay. the people that make um, they make oh, what do they make? Do they make this um this stout? Uh, Old Rasputin. Ever heard of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're the same company that makes that makes one makes a makes a red red ale called Red Seal. Hmm. It's that's that's like my favorite beer, dude. Okay, I'm gonna like, check I'll that have out. that. Yeah, that's a because I, I like. I'm not really into hoppy beer a lot. I like more like malty beer, so that's why I like mm. stouts and red ales because they're they're more like caramelly to some yeah, degree, you know. For sure, for sure. Um, and, and I had like you, you ever been to those ale parties that we have here? Yeah, man, hell yeah! You had yeah. the fucking with the taquero there. Yeah, dude. yeah. Well, that taquero just happens to be that my brother owns a fucking the. The grill and it's my brother that does them he's not even a taco guy oh are you serious <laughs> <laughs> yeah we just buy the meat and i pay him and he fucking serves us all dude <laughs> that's fucking cool man yeah but um but yeah he um those the, those uh, those ale parties like a lot of people bring hoppy beers and i'm, I'm not really big on hoppy beers you yeah. know like i'm more into like red but, but the red seal ale and then there's another one from san diego called uh red trolley that oh i fucking dope. love red trolley yeah, that's just pretty good. That, that that's the one that's most common around here. But the Red Seal is a lot of you, you have to you have to go to like to like even like Bevmo doesn't have it. There's a there's, there's a place here in Bow Heights called Ramirez Liquor. Warehouse. Oh yeah, dude, that fucking place, that place always has it, dude. That that place is good, dude. Ramirez but, is fucking. That's an experience, man. Dude, that that shit blows away any of these other fucking big marketplaces like Bevmo and the you know what's that other one that's uh, Total Wine and More. Yeah. Total Wine and More is better than Bevmo. Dude, but, Ramirez. But Ramirez is just fucking other level, dude. Dude, it was hard finding something that didn't have alcohol. Like yeah, fucking, right? <laughs> fucking corner to corner, just straight whatever you want. Yeah, it, it's dude. incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's a, so lately, what I've been drinking is whiskey a lot, dude. I've been getting into like old fashions. Oh yeah, can you you make yeah. you make the cocktails at home or what? Yeah, I make the cocktails. So what happened is that like 
I don't know where I went, but I had an old fashioned probably a few years ago. Me and my wife went somewhere to eat and she got a Manhattan. I got, oh, what's this old fashioned? I'll try that. I go, oh, fuck, it's whiskey. Oh, and I was already into whiskey, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, lately, I started getting more into whiskey and I buy this one whiskey called uh, Basil Hayden. Okay. Right? And it's a really, really good like um, bourbon. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, it's, but it's super smooth. Like you could drink that thing straight, dude, and it's fucking, it's amazing, you know? So I, I buy that, and then what happened is that I, w- I was at Ramirez, and I had a bottle of whiskey, and I'm looking around, and, and I saw, and I guess the, one of the owners there, one of the main guys, saw me, and I was getting the orange bitters. Like, are you making an old fashioned trying to make? Old? I go, yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, dude, that's one, that's my drink. I go, really? He's like, look, I'm not trying to sell you anything, bro. I'm gonna tell you how I make it, and you, you, there's different prices for everything, but I'm gonna tell you my experience because I have this shit at my disposal right here. I buy these cherries. It's not cheap. It's twenty dollars for a fucking jar. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. gotta buy this, this bitters, and this other one, and just put a little bit and do your thing, dude. And you're gonna get a fucking killer old. Making them, and then I can for the guy that's like, damn, this is fucking good. And and then sometimes, so when we go every once in a while, we don't really go out anymore. But when we've gone out, we order old fashioned. Like this one sucks. And <laughs> you make one. You make it better. And I'm like, well, that because we're probably using good shit. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And it hasn't been until like recently. Like me and my wife went out to eat somewhere at some place out by our house. Is like Italian place, and they had a smoke branded old fashioned. I was like, what oh, the shit. fuck is that? It was twenty bucks. Damn. Right. And I was like, what is he go? You're gonna you're you're like whiskey like you're gonna love it. So the guy made it, yeah. They they so they I guess they have like a little branding thing and they put the, the brand the logo of the of the restaurant on the ice, and when it comes it's all smoky, dude. So fuck, it was totally worth it. Like, I would have paid forty bucks for it. That's Damn, how that's good cr- it was. What, what's the name of this place? It's called Giovanni's all right. in Covina. All right, for sure. Yeah, so it's, it's a little ass place. I mean, the food's pretty good, but their drinks are fucking excellent. That's great. Yeah, I mean, that's worth it. I um, yeah, I bought all the as I love Manhattan's, so I bought all oh, yeah. all the shit to make the Manhattan's. Um, I find that I drink the whiskey before I make Manhattan's. So like, oh really? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Th- there's more to it on a Manhattan, huh? Yeah, there's like bitters and and a bunch of other shit. Uh, it's yeah. it's hard though. Like, like um. I definitely didn't. I, I I underestimated the complexity of it. Like, yeah, it's it's hard to make a good one because I the, the cool thing about old fashions, dude, it's just bitters, the cherry and the whiskey. Yeah, there's some there's then, some other uh, shit like vermouth yeah. and all that. Yeah, that's harder to make. Um, yeah, man. I remember once I was in Vegas and I and I don't really fucking do Vegas like that, but I was just like there with my family and I went to the right. bar at the MGM and. I asked for a Manhattan and like right. it, it was the fucking best Manhattan I've ever had in my life sees. Yeah, dude. That's what, that's when, that's when you know you got a good one, dude. You're like, fuck, this and, is good. And I told the guy, I was like, hey, man, listen, I just want to let you know that this shit is the best Manhattan I've ever had. And he's like, really? It's my first time. I was like, what the fuck? Oh, fuck. He was like, no, I'm just kidding. It was my dad's favorite <laughs> drink and I used to make it for oh, him all the shit. time. <laughs> yeah. So there's like, oh, like you know. Whiskey drinkers like they take that shit seriously. It's like always yeah, something dude, behind I mean, it. That, that, yeah, whiskey like I've, I've been, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't vary too much from the whiskey that I drink because I, I like that basil Hayden because it's so smooth, you know. I mean, dude, I buy at my house those fucking things. It, it, you know, it's just you know, me and my wife will drink it, but you know, we never drink every other night or whatever, right, you know. Right. And fuck that shit goes in a week, right? <laughs> you know, when I go, we gotta go get another one. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. 
sees hey man uh that's it for the uh for the interview man i i am so uh i appreciate you man thank you so much nah, for man, coming thank, on thank, thank you for having me on man it's my pleasure dude I'll, I'll, always whenever you need me man you know you know i'm here dude sees uh man you're a uh you're an og you're you're a gem in the community brother uh you're the first emmy award winner i have on the podcast so that shit's pretty oh, badass thank you thank you Thank uh, you. Yo, when you dedicated that to Boyle Heights, I was like, that like, sees is a real ass motherfucker for that. No, fuck it. That's what it's about, dude. Yeah, man. So thank you so you much, Seize. I, I wish you nothing but success and good health for you and your family. And uh, I'll see you around, bud. All right, man. Likewise, man. All right, man. Take care. Peace.